Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will praise him, my saviour and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Io, for reading that so well for us. Uh, as Andy said, we're continuing looking at the Psalms for the five Sundays of October. A couple of weeks ago, we were thinking about praising God, our glorious creator, and the Psalms of praise. Uh, last week in the morning, Jan was thinking about God's presence with us as we journey through life. Uh, in the evening, Andy was preaching on finding Jesus in the Psalms. Uh, and this morning, we come to Psalms of lament, when there's things that are wrong and pouring out our heart to the Lord. Uh, so let's pray, whether there are particular things that are uh, going wrong that you're lamenting, or whether it's more international things or national things, let's pray that God will speak to us and help us to process all this with him well. Lord God, our Father, how we thank you for the Psalms, for every human emotion that we find there, from joy to sadness, fears and hopes. And as we think about psalms of lament, and especially this Psalm 42, send your Holy Spirit. Speak to us, we pray. And give to each one of us grace to trust you even in difficult days. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So what do you do when things go wrong, maybe badly wrong, they affect you, but it's not your fault? 
Obviously, if it is your fault, you say sorry and you repent. That's what you do when you've done something wrong that makes you go wrong. That's what you should do. Uh, I wish more people publicly would say sorry than do, but that's what should happen when it's their fault. We, we repent. But when something goes wrong, maybe badly wrong, and it's not your fault, how do you handle all that emotion uh, and all those reactions? It's not healthy just to squash it all down, the sort of British stiff upper lip, stoic. From the You squash it down, it's going to come back to bite you and cause problems in the future. Nor is it helpful to splurge it over everybody else and just go blaming everybody else. That doesn't really help either. What do you do with all that emotion? Uh, and this is where the Psalms of lament come on. The Bible way to handle it when things go wrong, but it's not your fault, is to lament, to bring it before God and to say, God, this has happened. It's rubbish. Where are you? Uh, there are so many psalms of lament. Indeed, there's a whole book of the Bible called Lamentations, Jeremiah's Lament. And lament is really godly complaining. It's having a, a moan to the Lord about stuff that is wrong, but with an attitude of faith and trust. Uh, round about half the psalms are laments or include lament. The psalm that I read for us from Psalm 42, one of a pair with Psalm 43, is something that's gone wrong for an individual. Uh, verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night. People say to me, where is your God? Or a couple of verses later, 9 and 10, uh, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony. My foes taunt, taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Something has gone badly wrong for this individual. Uh, at other times, you get psalms where something's gone badly wrong for the nation as a whole, particularly psalms after Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians. For example, Psalm 79, this is a national uh, lament. God, the nations have invaded your inheritance. They've defiled your holy temple. They've reduced Jerusalem to rubble. They've left dead bodies of your servants as food for the birds of the sky and the flesh of your own people for the animals of the wild. They've poured out blood like water all around Jerusalem and there is no one to bury the dead. We are objects of contempt to our neighbours, of scorn and derision to those around us. How long, O Lord? Will you be angry forever? How long will your jealousy burn like fire? I know that psalms like that have been particularly significant to Christians in places like Ukraine, where exactly that sort of thing has been going on. When this terrible situation uh, that we're still praying about and praying for rightly. But how do you handle all the emotion of that? And then there's all the stuff in between. Um, caught up in all the financial crises, when the government doesn't seem to know what it's, what it's doing. Uh, what can you do about it? These things are wrong. How do you process all this? Uh, and I think in the West, we're not that good at it. We're quite good at blaming everybody else, or we're quite good at squashing it down. In the church, I think, uh, and this is my danger, my danger is jumping too quickly to the Lord reigns and not giving enough time to actually process just how bad some situations are. And the Psalms encourage us, yes, to trust the fact that God reigns, 
but to be very real with him about things that are difficult. And if we can learn to process all this well with God, then God uses it to grow us much deeper as people, to enlarge our souls, we have more compassion for others. If we don't process it well, then either we squash it down and we make ourselves ill, or we become bitter and twisted and uh, attack others. Uh, and these things happen to us as individuals through life. A whole lot of difficult stuff will happen to every one of us. And there's stuff that happens in the world and the nation that we have to process. I don't know if you saw the Disney film that came out, again, five to ten years ago. I was asking Stu how long he was here ago as a, as a church member. About six or seven years ago, I think, the film Inside Out came out where the characters of this film are the emotions inside a little girl's head. Five particular emotions, joy, sadness, fear, anger, and disgust. And you see the interplay of all these emotions. You're sort of looking inside her head. And early on in the film, sadness gets over-involved and spoils everything. Uh, and joy puts it right. But then there comes a time where joy tries to put everything right and joy can't put it all right. And sadness comes and is needed and actually sorts it out. And it's this giving space to a sort of a godly sadness, a lament, is what we're talking about today. Uh, for some of us, it'll be things we've squashed down from the past that need to come back. Uh, for me, when I was at school, I was bullied quite badly. Um, I had a target written on my head, really. I was a vicar's son, lots of curly ginger hair, I was delighted when it fell out. Um, tortoise shell, national health glasses, very good at maths, away in a boarding school which liked uh, bullying people who were different. They were difficult years. And I squashed them down for quite a long time until the Lord slowly helped me to process them. By God's grace, it wasn't nearly as bad as happened to a lot of others. It was just probably a middling amount. of. But for some people, utterly devastating for me, really difficult. And as I was processing this, particularly in Hinckley, the last church I was vicar of back in the 1990s, uh, I remember talking with a black friend, Diane. Uh, she was telling me about just the difficulty she was facing from her neighbours. And I said, I've got no idea what that must feel like. Tell me more. And she said, no, you do. You were bullied for being different. Uh, and it may have only been a tiny percentage that she was facing, but there was something in processing that experience that helped me understand a little bit, a tiny bit. Uh, and God's brought a measure of healing. I'm sure there's still more that needs to go on. I remember in my 20s, losing three friends, all within a three-month window. Uh, one of them, John, I saw... Uh, he's going out climbing in South America. The next week in the newspaper, I read that this captain in the army, John, had been killed falling off a mountain. Uh, a friend I was at theological college with had a bus accident and died. And another friend, a um, very gifted young man who was leader of the National Youth Orchestra, uh, had a, was caught up in a train accident and died. And I remember just how do you process all this emotion of death? in God's world when it's wrong and particularly wrong and young and tragic and at the same time I was starting to go out with Juliet and there was all this joy going on and how do you process all this and you can't squash it down and you can't 
there's no one particularly to lash out at. You have to bring it to God, and the Psalms teach us to bring these things to God. A year before we moved here to Leamington, Juliet and I lost a baby between Tim and Josh. We have five children, as you don't know us very well. Uh, they've grown up and all gone now. Uh, but the gaps get bigger. There was a two-year gap between number one and the twins. Then there was a three-year gap. Then there was a four-year gap, and it was in that gap that we lost one. Uh, awful losing a baby. So many people do, but so often people don't know. It's often people suffering silently. How do you process that? Uh, and all these psalms of lament are there, covering the whole range of life, from very personal things to massive national things. In Brazil, whatever happens in the election is going to have big effects that we were just thinking about earlier. Uh, what our government do is going to have massive effects on individuals. Uh, and some people get caught up right at the sharp end of that. Just as an aside, if that is you, please come and talk to us. We have a hardship fund to help people who don't have enough. If you have more than enough, please give in to the hardship fund so we can help more, more folks who, who need it. Uh, it's the joy of being church family. But we get caught up in it. And the Psalms of Lament give us language for coming to God to say, God, this is terrible. Where are you? How long? Now, we all have to face those things. Uh, if you live any normal amount of time, there will be bereavement, there will be illness, there may be job losses, you may be let down by friends, there may be abuse, you may be betrayed or wronged. You may get caught up in a major disaster. You may simply just never get the things you are hoping for, a real loss of hope. These are the normal things of life that we have to process. And in the church, I don't think we're as good at dealing with them as we should be. Uh, we probably need to sing more lament than we do. Uh, there's not enough good songs of lament. There's lots of joy and praise. There are some good songs written. We probably don't do them enough just to bring to the Lord the difficulties. So as we come to lament, there seems to be three sort of stages that the Psalms work through and that we work through when there's something that we're struggling with. The first stage is just being real about the problem, acknowledging the pain, saying, this is happening and this is rubbish. The second stage is a real deliberate choosing to trust God who has the power to deal with it and wrestling with him about why he hasn't acted. Uh, that verse I read earlier, how long, O Lord, where are you? And a third stage will emerge, and we can't force the pace on this one, but it's allowing God to bring a new stage to birth different from what we had before, uh, but we're learning to live with it. So bereavement is a classic example uh, and a situation so many have to face, and all of us at different stages in our life, of just coming to terms with the pain that someone has died. This has happened. And then learning to wrestle with the Lord in this, God, where are you? And then the third stage of a new coming to terms with it and learning to live with it, and possibly with new ministry coming out of that as well. Uh, when, uh, when my dad died, my dad died 17 years before my mum, and she had a long time of living with this. And she was quite helped by actually an older 
lady who said to her, dear, she said, you don't get over it, you get on with it. She said, and you get better at it. Uh, these things that are bad that happen, you never get over, but you come to terms with. You learn to trust God in them, and that process can take a while, and then he leads us into a new reality. And as you read through the Psalms, you see all those different stages, the very raw first stage of, God, this is rubbish, to the wrestling with God, where are you, how long, to the new stage that God leads you into. Uh, so let me just say a bit more about all three of those stages. And we find them all, for example, in Psalm 42. I'd love to look at lots of Psalms, but we'll just focus on Psalm 42. Touch maybe on one or two other verses as well. So this first stage, being real about the situation, being honest with God, not pretending that all is well. There is pressure from society around for us to put our brave face on. How are you? I'm fine. Difficult when you're really struggling. Uh, when people say to you, how are you? Uh, through COVID, I, I was saying, I'm okay. There is a longer answer, <laughs> but, but probably not, not the one you want to hear right now. I'm still okay. Uh, but it, when someone says, how are you? You can say, actually, I am struggling, but thank you for asking. But it's difficult to know how to do that. There is pressure to put a, just a brave face and say, all is absolutely fine. And we can do pressure on ourselves for that. Uh, I said, I jump too quickly to the Lord reigns. It's e too easy to say, Lord, I worship you, I praise you for all your goodness. And not being enough real enough about the thing we're struggling with. And through the Psalms, there's all sorts of things people do struggle with. Fear of enemies coming, battle with illness, the reality of death, anxiety over being trapped, or just overwhelmed by circumstances. Um, I had a tiny, tiny hint of that just yesterday. I said I got back from Albania visiting our daughter and her family out there. Um, and the day when you get back and you've missed sleep and everything crowds in on you, you just feel a bit overwhelmed. Now, you get over that in a day or two. So it's not, I'm, not <laughs> I'm not really whinging about that. Uh, but there is that sense of, why am I struggling? Well, okay, this, this, is, this is what's happening today. Now, obviously, when it's a bigger situation, we need to say, this is happening, and bring it to God. Uh, it's when we, when we start to say, okay, this is really happening, I've really got to come to terms with this, God, this is happening, and it's rubbish, that we can begin to move on. Until we get to that first stage, we never, never move on. So in Psalm 42, the psalmist is very good at saying this. Let me read to you verses 2 to 4. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. It used to be so good, and now it's not. And my life is full of tears. Or verse 6 and 7. He says, my soul is downcast within me. Actually, just recognizing that is really important. <laughs> In a tiny, tiny way, yesterday I was preparing this sermon. I got some notes from before I went on holiday, and I got them back. And it's, it was just one of the things that had to be done. 
and I realized actually my soul was a bit downcast with just hundreds of emails and things that hit you. And just recognizing it, okay, my soul is downcast. All right. Now, in a much bigger situation, we need to recognize that. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep pools to deep in the roar of your waters. All your waves and breakers have gone over me. That sense of just, I don't know if you've ever been bundled by a wave and you get up and another one comes. This person feels that's happened just again and again. And they're saying that's what it feels like. Or verses 9 and 10. I say to God, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes, ta my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? So that sense of where is God? You know he's there, but where? I used to feel so close to you, Lord, but where are you? And just acknowledging that that is where you are. And lament brings all of this to God. Uh, reading the Old Testament is so good, all the stories of God's people down the years. Moses and the Israelites going through the 40 years in the wilderness. Classic example. The Israelites moan about God to everybody else. And the Lord's not impressed. Moses moans to God about the Israelites and the situation. And that's fine. The Lord's happy with that. It's bringing it to God and saying this is rubbish. That's the first stage. And for some of you, there will be stuff that's happened that you've either squashed down or you're putting on the brave face. No, all is fine. God is good. But actually, you've never really said this is rubbish. And until that happens, you never really move on. We have to say this is happening. Then you get this big second stage where it may be big, it may, it may be short, it may take long. There's a wrestling with God, a waiting for the Lord to bring you through. But it's a, an active waiting. It's not a sort of sitting down and twiddling your thumbs. It's a real wrestling with God, a bit like Jacob at the Jabbok wrestled with him. And this sort of wrestle turns into a hug slowly over a, over a period of time. Choosing to look, look to the Lord. So the Psalms are full of looking back at creation. God, this is what you did. Looking at salvation, always good to look to the cross. We'll be doing that as we come to communion in a bit. To look to the cross and the resurrection, that the cross was not the end of the story. Resurrection came. Wrestling with the Lord, saying, how long? Just put up Psalm 79, verse 5 again, I read earlier. How long, Lord, will you be angry forever? This was when Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians. How long is this going to go on? Uh, this wrestling with God uh, and learning to trust him even when you don't feel like it taking your stuff to him so the Psalms are really good at saying God I'm fed up but they address it to God uh, and in Psalm 42 you have and Psalm 43 which in, I think in the Jewish Bible is all one Psalm in our Bible it's two Psalms you get this verse that gets repeated uh, three times, twice in Psalm 42 and in Psalm 43. Psalm 42, verse 5. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So this is a sort of talking to yourself and choosing 
to trust God, working out why you are downcast, probably with very good reason, but I choose to hope in God. Or the word hope in God is often translated wait for the Lord. Uh, Psalm 27, verse 13 and 14 uh, puts it like this. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land for the living. So wait for the Lord or hope in the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. It's this slow wrestling. Uh, if you want to read something about it um, that would be helpful, I recommend Jeff Mannion's book called The Land in Between. It's based on the uh, wilderness wanderings. Uh, if you're not a reader, listen to his sermon on it. You can Google Jeff Mannion, The Land uh, Between. When we're in between one thing and another, and we're not quite sure what's going on, and the good of the past has gone, and what may be good in the future hasn't come, and we're just struggling with that. It's where God seems to do his best work in us. A uh, time a few years ago when I was really wrestling with that uh, and really saying, God, I'm, I've got nothing left. I read this uh, in an introduction to a book. God so often allows his people to come to an end of themselves in order that they might begin to be more useful in his service. Uh, and somehow God deepens us and then uses us more as we work through this. And the Bible is full of heroes of the faith who've all worked through this middle stage, if you like, Moses, Elijah, Jonah, David. Jesus, supremely in Gethsemane, wrestling with God in the midst of the agony of what he was facing. Uh, and this is the pattern of the cross and resurrection. There is suffering. There is resurrection. But in between the two, there is that Holy Saturday, if you like, there's this waiting period, just waiting. God, where are you? Uh, and eventually, in God's own time, and you can't force the pace, the next stage emerges. Uh, there is resurrection. There is a emerging from whatever it is. I don't know if you ever heard Tony, Cam Tony Campolo preach one of his famous sermons that he preached many, many versions of. The sermon was, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. <laughs> but then we're just going to, yes, there is the suffering, but the resurrection is coming. And supremely in this life, of course, the big day when Jesus returns and all is put well. But before then, there are these different stages often where God brings us through a time of difficulty into a new healthy season. Uh, so Psalm 43, that's the partner of Psalm 42, you get this. Send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the lion. Oh God, my God. There's this, he's emerging from this. He can see God's light will lead him on to the point where he'll be able to praise as he had once in the past. Now, to get a New Testament perspective on this, Paul in Romans 8 uh, is wrestling with all the difficult things that happen, suffering and death. And he says this, Romans 8, 28, we know that in all these things, that includes the terrible things that happen, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. But the good he then goes on to define in verse 29, Romans 8, 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in other words, the good that God is working on in you and me is to make us more like Jesus. 
The good I would like God to work on is to make my life more comfortable <laughs> to deal with the stuff. Uh, God is much less worried about our comfort, though he cares. He's really working to make us more like Jesus, and he can use all the bad stuff as well as all the good stuff. Uh, in Paradise Lost, John Milton has this imagery of a compost heap uh, where all the rubbish of life is thrown onto it. And over time, God turns that rubbish into fertilizer that brings growth. And Milton's point is that in the light of eternity, we'll see how God uses all these terrible things to fertilize new growth in his kingdom. When we're in the middle of it, we just have to trust. Uh, Another book for those of you who are readers, Pete Scazzero has written a book called The Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And the point he makes is that if we're going to grow spiritually mature, we've got to grow emotionally mature as well. And the Psalms really help us with that. And lament is part of it. Let me just, I think this may be a quote from him, though I uh, read it long enough ago that it may be my, a summary I wrote. God uses grief and loss to grow us deeper and kinder, to make us more compassionate, to liberate us from trying to impress others with fewer fears and greater willingness to take risks, with new appreciation for all God's good gifts, sitting lighter to the things of this world and doing more for those in need. The rubbish happens, the psalm is full of it, and we need to learn to lament. Now, if you're dealing with something really big at the moment, we praise God for the the ministry in this town of the well, which uh, people with time in the week to listen and pray. And we, we're in partnership with the well. We commend that sort of prayer ministry to you, wrestling. It may be just with friends, with small group, with a prayer partner or a prayer triplet, uh, wrestling this through. But let me finish with the first verse of Psalm 42. Perhaps the band would come back ready to lead us in a song in a moment. The psalms are, as the deer pants for streams of water, my soul pants for you, O God. Outwardly, we just long for things to be made better. But our deepest part of us is longing for real connection with God. And God will use these times to deepen our connection with him. Uh, and that's what I want to spend some time praying into now. I'm going to lead in prayer. Uh, would you stand as we pray? We're going to sing a song. We're going to come to communion. Uh, we won't have finished the service by the time the children's groups stop at 10-2. We'll be getting towards the end of communion at that point. So uh, when you've received communion, if you've got little people and it's after 10-2, please go and collect them. The children's leaders know that we won't have finished the service quite in time. But there's time for us to pray, time to sing, time to receive communion, and then go and get the children, and they can join in uh, at the end of the service with us. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Lord, we come to you now in prayer. You see what we're carrying. We don't know what those around us are carrying. But we do know that our souls long for you as the deer pants for water. And we know that even if outwardly all is put right, inwardly our souls need you just as much so we pray come by your holy spirit on us individually and as a church and give us grace to trust you in all these difficult things we face individually and as a society in this world
Help us learn to lament, to complain in a godly way that leads us to you. And for any among us who are really going through it, we pray for grace in this in-between stage of learning and listening and trusting and waiting until the next stage emerges. And we just pray in a moment of quiet, if there's anything you want to whisper at this stage, whisper by your spirit to one here and one there, we pray. Let's just be still. the service there's a particular verse from scripture that there is no fear in love perfect love casts out fear and pray especially for any among us who are feeling afraid in whatever's going on lord jesus pour out your love into their hearts by your spirit even now and as we continue to worship you give us grace to look up to you and replace the fear with your love so continue to minister as we sing and as we receive bread and wine. And we offer all this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.